The dog days are over. The dog days are done. The horses are coming, so you better run. Well, so sang Florence Welsh with her machine. For many, the dog days evoke those summer days that are so devastatingly hot that dogs lie around on the asphalt panting. But originally, the phrase had nothing to do with dogs or even with the lazy days of summer. Instead, the dog days refer to Sirius, the brightest star in the constellation Canis Major, which means big dog in Latin, and is said to represent one of Horion's hunting dogs. To the Greeks and Romans, the dog days occurred around the time Sirius appears to rise alongside the sun in late July in the Northern Hemisphere. They believed the heat from the two stars combined is what made these days the hottest of the year, a period that could bring fever or even catastrophe. The phrase dog days was translated from Latin to English about 500 years ago. Since then it has taken on new meanings. So did the Greeks get it right? Are the dog days around when Sirius rises really the hottest days of the year? Well, in a word, no. Although July and August are often the hottest months of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, the hottest period can vary from year to year. And depending on your latitude, the astronomical dog days can come at different times. To me, the last weeks of August are the dog days of summer, and the first few weeks of September always have a sense of renewal. Back to school days, time to start again with a new sense of vigour and enthusiasm. I've started playing squash again after a 35-year hiatus. Muscle memory has left me with the ability to hit the ball. I know how the racket head should hit the ball, where and how to stand to make my shots and dominate the court. However, my fitness is not what it was, my stamina is not what it was, and I now have a tendency to rush my shots. If I played every day, I would get better, but only by watching others and relearning the game. Does this sound like photography to you? It does to me. Those photographers who are out every day making work are getting themselves photographically fit. But it is the knowledge of what photography is and can be that ensures that they are making work that to them is important and not just hitting a ball against a wall that keeps coming back to them with no end result or sense of satisfaction. I'm not suggesting that you take up squash, but I am suggesting that you try to make work as often as possible. People seem to be getting confused about social media and photography. Which platform is better? What is its purpose? NFT ninjas seem to be flooding Twitter with hyper-aggressive tweets and texts about what photography is. In my mind, they seem to only see it as being NFTs, but let's not get into that discussion. Anyway, others are putting on ceaselessly condescending questions trying to build followings. Are these people real? Are these accounts real? Or are they bots? Well, in my opinion, there's an easy way to tell, and that's to engage in mutually respectful conversation, not mindless competitive rhetoric. 
Social media, to me, is hugely important to the photographer who wishes to be part of the conversation. What is that conversation? Well, obviously, it's multifaceted. But there is no better or best or worst in my mind in social media platforms, or in fact, any platform online. It's all about your understanding and your expectation of that platform. How do you use it and what do you want it to achieve for you? So for me, networking on Twitter is essential. There's a great community there. I can use it as a library that literally drops into my pocket. I can find out about exhibitions that are on, books that are launching, projects that are going on, discussions and debates and news connected with photography. I very rarely have any issues with that. I follow a relatively small amount of people, but it gives me enough information coming into my timeline to keep me, as I feel, relevant. Facebook for me is not something I use. I don't see it as a professional tool. You may also notice that I don't appear on anywhere on social media other than Facebook, which is just for friends and family for me, really, um, as myself. On Twitter, I'm UN of Photo. And on Instagram, I'm also UN of Photo. Now, Instagram, I use and I post up. I don't think I work it very hard and I probably don't work it very well. My expectations of it are very low and therefore my input into it is very minimum and minimal, I should say. So Twitter is important for me and it directs people to different places. Online, I have two websites. I have my photographic website, which is for my commissions and my commissioned work. And I don't use social media in any way to promote that work. All of my commissions come from me reaching out directly to the people that I want to work for. By doing this, what I've done is I've built up a client base which is consistent and allows me to build relationships with those people within that client base. Other people will look to Instagram or Twitter to get work. I don't do that. I use them in different ways. So I think it's really important for photographers to be in social media, to be on social media, but to understand social media, to not have unrealistic expectations and to be a respectful person of others on these platforms. But please, let's stop all of the infighting. This podcast is nothing but eclectic when it comes to the different photographers that we ask to join us to talk about their work and in doing so answer the question, what does photography mean to them in less than five minutes? I think this week we've got somebody who really is creating work very different to the type of work we've had over the last few weeks. As regular listeners know, I'm very much digitally orientated. But that doesn't mean to say that I'm not able to explore and appreciate work coming out of analogue and alternative practices and alternative processes. So who am I talking about this week? Well, it's J.M. Golding, and she's a San Francisco-based photographic artist. She received her first camera as a birthday gift at age seven, a brownie that she still has and occasionally uses. 
and she took her first darkroom class at a summer day camp at age 11. Golding's photographs have been shown internationally in numerous juried and invitational group exhibitions, and she is the recipient of the 2013 Holger Inspire Award, the 2009 Lutz Gallery Curator's Choice Award, the best of show in the 2017 Wanderlust, in collaboration with photographer Al Bryden, who's also contributed to this podcast. Go back into the archive to find that one. The first jury at the award in the 2021 Fantastic Film and several honourable mentions in numerous juried exhibitions. Her work has also appeared in several books and in magazines such as Diffusion, Shots, Analog Forever, Fraction, Square, Black and White and Insight and on websites including Don't Take Pictures, Inside the Outside and The Holger Darkroom. What does photography mean to me? What a profound question. Photography is making art using the traces left by light. As much as I know intellectually that there are solid reasons in physics and chemistry that photographs exist, I still experience them as a form of magic, as an alchemy that turns light into images. Photographs aren't magical just because they reproduce reality. To me, they're all the more magical because they transform reality sometimes in ways that can be quite surprising to my conscious self. In revealing the latent image, we make visible what's felt but not seen. Photography is transformation. Making the exposure, making the final image, and experiencing the images other people have made, each transforms my experience. I'm changed by both the process of making images and by the images I see. Photography is creative process. It's using image-making to create metaphor and to evoke and communicate emotion. It's seeing as only each one of us can see, because each of us is a unique individual with a unique set of experiences in life. Photography is connection. Since I mostly photograph in natural landscapes, photography is my connection with the landscape, with what Ruth Bernhard called, quote, knowing what it feels like to be a leaf, unquote. Sometimes I've heard people talk about just being someplace without the camera interfering with their experiencing the moment, but for me, the camera is a way to deeply experience the moment. For me, photography is an exploration of the emotional and symbolic significance of the natural world as it reflects internal subjective experience. The world outside us illuminates what's deep inside us and might not otherwise be readily accessible to our awareness. In this way, both making and viewing photography are connections to the inner self. Making photographs invites me into what the psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi calls a flow state, which he describes as, quote, an almost automatic, effortless, yet highly focused state of consciousness, unquote, a state of deep absorption in the moment. I think of this as letting my unconscious lead. I allow myself to be drawn to a subject or scene that resonates with me, to be moved by it, without necessarily being able to articulate the experience in words. Or I find myself with an idea for an experiment, thinking, I wonder what would happen if, and I try it. At this stage, I don't push myself to understand the photograph verbally. It's usually afterward, when I spend some time with the images, that I'm able to put words to them, or sometimes not. Photography is also connection with other people. 
When I experience a deep sense of resonance with someone's photograph, they've communicated something to me that couldn't be put into words. The work is connected with something inside me. I offer that connection to people through my photographs, and sometimes this way we find each other. Photography is connection with people in another related sense. It's a way to community, collaboration, and friendship. The photographic community is probably the one in which I feel most at home. It's certainly one in which I've met wonderful people whom I never would have met otherwise, some of whom have become good friends. I've been involved with several collaborations, the longest running being a transatlantic project with the English photographer Al Bryden. Together we make images of a world that certainly can't exist, yet it must exist since we photograph it. I love it that the images hold that paradox. Photography means so much to me. Grant, thank you for this opportunity to articulate it. Well, thank you, JM, for articulating it so accurately, clearly, and I think with such thought and such sense of connection, not only with the work, but also with the thinking behind the work. Really interesting for me to hear JM there talking about the idea of community and connection, completely tied up with what I was talking about earlier through social media. You don't, of course, have to use social media in that way, but you can use social media in that way. And interestingly enough, JM, they're talking about Al Bryden, who, as I say, if you go back into the archives, right in the very beginning of this podcast, Al Bryden contributed. And he's somebody who uses particularly Twitter and Instagram, I think, but definitely Twitter where I see him. Uh, He uses that all of the time, showcasing his work and very much being part of that community. I wouldn't have come across Al's work if it wasn't for him on Twitter, and I wouldn't have come across JM's work if it hadn't have been for Al talking about their collaboration on Twitter. So perhaps perfect example there of those two things um, coming together. We don't all have to follow one way of doing something, but I think we all do need to understand why we're actually doing it. I think JM giving some fantastic insight there to just how clearly she understands exactly what she's doing. Also very interesting, picking up on another thread, a theme, that idea that the work comes first and perhaps some writing comes after, and perhaps not. And very much tying in with what I was talking about over the last couple of weeks with so much work that I'm seeing where the writing comes first and that the photographs almost seem to be an afterthought or something that's being put in to illustrate the writing by photographers. Of course, illustrative photography in itself, uh, no problem with that. But the idea of trying to write something and then photograph that thing seems to me to be almost reducing the photography to a subsidiary kind of form within the practice. Maybe that's the case for some photographers, that it isn't actually so important. But obviously the question we're asking here is, when what does photography mean to you? And as photographers, perhaps we should be thinking of it as our lead form of connection, our lead form of communication, the medium that we turn to first, rather than turning to the research first or the writing first. Anyway, lots to unpack there. And I think also lots to unpack from uh, JM's excellent contribution this week. So another one, as I, I often say, 
worth listening back to. Maybe take a few notes and then kind of refer that to your own work and think, well, yeah, am I seeing it that way? If you're not aware of JM's work, uh, as always, check her out. The uh, website is easy to find. It's JM Golding. So find her work, listen to her words, and maybe take a little bit of it on board. Just talking about Al and the archive for this podcast there, and uh, this is the podcast that became a book, and that book is called What Does Photography Mean to You? And it features 89 professional award-winning photographers from around the world explaining exactly what photography does mean to them. It's available at the very nicely priced £9.99 plus post and packing, and uh, that's available from uh, Blue Coat Press co.uk and they'll send that book out to you wherever you're listening to this podcast from obviously we're based in the uk and uh, the last couple of days have seen the return of hot weather and rain but fortunately today when i'm recording this podcast it's cooled down a little bit so it's not the ridiculously early hours of the morning Although I have been getting up very early, as I was saying earlier, and hitting the squash court at seven o'clock in the morning. I hope that metaphor made some kind of sense, that idea of repetition of process, of practice, of commitment, uh, to ensure that you don't rush things and you understand that you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Maybe you're starting some new projects now as well. Maybe you're getting that sense of perhaps getting over the COVID period, although it still seems to be clinging to us, doesn't it? Who knows what the following months are going to hold? All I know is I'm going to keep my kind of best at doing my best. I'm going to continue to try and start up new projects, a new exhibition at Photo Oxford featuring students from the course I run, that I lead in Oxford in the UK. And that's an exhibition coming up in October called Three New Voices. So check that one out if you want to see some really great young women photographers working. And also I'm working on another exhibition that I'll tell you more about, which I'm hoping to get together by November. But COVID has made everything so last minute, hasn't it? I'm certainly hearing of lots of photographers working all of the time at the moment. I hope that's the case for you. But anyway, hope you've enjoyed this uh, week's podcast, this week's ramblings, this week's challenges and suggestions. And that just leaves me, as I do every week, to suggest that you take care. Thank you.